Hello there, it's Chris here and welcome to this slightly odd episode of the Pass It On podcast. There's two things I want to do with this special episode. The first is to reassure you that even though things are all a bit unusual just now, Steve, Connie and I are all working from home. We want to come together uh, online to keep recording this podcast. We, we love doing it and we hope that we can be a, a friendly voice in your ears if things are getting a wee bit stressful for you. So you might have to forgive some slightly ropey audio quality and we might not always be publishing on exactly the same schedule as we would normally do, but we'll do our best to be there for each other and for you. The second thing, and the whole reason for this particular episode is, even though it's not really in our normal remit to give this kind of advice, with everything that's happening, we know that a lot of people in the UK and across the world will be working from home for the first time, or at least working from home for the first time for an extended period. And that can be an odd Uh, situation to be in. Obviously some people don't have the option of working from home and especially for those people who are continuing to uh, do our shopping for us and look after us in other ways whether that's in the NHS, the health service or or in other professions like cleaning and the sort of jobs that often go unremarked. But for those people who are now working from home my friend Glenn Fleischman has written a book. It's his contribution to keeping everyone sane and moving forward, which he's put out for free. It's called Taking Control of Working From Home Temporarily and it's available at takecontrolbooks.com and it's full of advice from him and from friends across the world about how to make the very best of uh, the changed circumstances a lot of us find ourselves in. And so because I know Glenn, I got him on the phone from Seattle, Washington, where he joins us now to go through the advice that's in his book. So joining us from Seattle, here's Glenn Fleischman. Welcome, Glenn. Hello. Thank you for having me. You're very, very welcome. Thank you so much for writing this book. And, and all we're going to do in this really is is let you take us through the, the table of contents. You've written the book on this, literally. Um, what should people who are working from home for the first time be thinking about? Well, it's a it's an interesting time because usually when you advise people, they say, you know, I'm thinking about working from home. Maybe a transition. Maybe they're leaving one job and going freelance, or they get a mm. new job that gives them the opportunity. And you're like, well, we could we could plan this out. Here's some ideas. Here's what you think about. This is totally different. This is like no one has ever uh, on the scale of this. This has never happened before. That so many people have been thrown on their own devices to change their pattern of working. So that's why I thought. You know, to my mind, I made it. This actually, this book arises in part because I made a joke on Twitter about uh, before this became even more serious. I think if you're yes, at new, the stage where we were still making jokes about this on Twitter, <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is right, like few a few weeks ago, a few short weeks ago. It's like, well, if you're being asked to work from home or forced to work from home, get a freelance buddy, and they can tell you things like putting a time lock on your refrigerator and so forth. You know, <laughs> keeping your cat from typing on your keyboard. And I got a re- remarkable response to that, and I thought, oh, I'm making light of something that's very serious for people. And then I thought, well, I could write a book about this and get advice from people like you and veteran work from home people. So I talked to people who are. Uh, you know, work, uh, some of them are employees or have been employees doing telework. Some of them work full-time from home for, you know, for a virtual company that has no central office. Some are freelancers like me, and they've spent most or a huge chunk of their life, especially in recent years, working from a home space they created. And so we all had some time to plan, most of us. And I think the most critical thing, the thing that everybody said, and I, I totally agree, and this is kind of what got me into a home office also after renting some space outside the home when Seattle's real estate market was a little cooler than it is now. It's, you need to set a space for yourself. And that's going to be hard for a lot of people because if you didn't plan this, you know, most people do not conveniently have 
uh, an extra several rooms in their mansion. They don't have their grand piano <laughs> sitting there and all oh, just move, I'll just shift off the harpsichord and so forth. It's, you know, some people may be lucky enough uh, to have an extra room, a room that's their, their sewing room, their den, uh, a kid's playroom that they say, look, I need a space where I can define this. So I'm going to have to turn that over. Uh, so that if you're very lucky, you have that, you could close the door. If not, you're going to need to define a space in somewhere in your home. And I know for some people listening, this may be, you have roommates, you may have a partner, you may have uh, children, you may have parents living with you. They may be living with you. I've talked to numerous people who are suddenly living at home because of where they are. And these are, you know, people sometimes in the thirties, forties, uh, uh, the current crisis, others have had their parents move to them. So they're closer by to help weather this and provide for them. So we are in an unprecedented time, unprecedented living situations. Our children will be home for weeks, if not for the rest of our school year uh, in my house. And being able to define a space that's your workspace, being able to define both physically, here's where I'm working in a way that is not invasive of other people, but that, that you communicate to them that is the space you need to work in. Being able to set it aside psychologically. So when yeah. you're in that space, you're working. When you're not, you're not. Yeah, I think that's really key. So as you say, a lot of people will have the luxury of of a separate, they might even have a home office of some kind or a space that can be readily repurposed into a home office. But even if you don't, that idea of somehow demarcating the space that will be yours, and that might be a purely um, notional barrier, right? It might not be anything physical. It might be uh, just saying when mummy is over here, she's going to be working. Yeah, the writer uh, Mary Robinette Cowell is a science fiction a uh, writer whose work many people know, she has this uh, uh, Creative Commons licensed PDF she made for working at uh, writer's workshops. It works really well for home too. She basically, you print this out on stiff paper and fold it and you put a paper, or not paper clip, a clothespin on it and you put it in different positions on your laptop, whether you're available, not available or goofing off, right? And you just, it's a literally a sign. Uh, I talked to one fellow whose tip is in the book, a colleague of his used a Hue, that's H-U-E, controllable light bulb, put it outside his office. So when he's, uh, his Google calendar is tied into, uh, was IFFPT. <laughs> so when he has an appointment, it actually lights up red and his family knows he's in that an appointment. A incredibly geeky way of doing things, but you can do it much more uh, analog, <laughs> right? You could Absolutely. just literally have a series of um, colored bits of paper that stick to the door, or you, as you say, that idea of putting a little flag on your laptop, or even just, you know, simple rules about times, you know, between this time and this time. One of the other things in the book that I really liked was talking about, you know, almost a traffic light system. So it's red really is, you cannot interrupt me. I might be broadcasting, or mm -hmm. I might be um, really focusing on a piece of writing, or I might be doing something that just requires that focus green is i'm just goofing off you can come in whenever you like and i think you said um it took a little while or it could have been jason saying uh, it took a little while to work out those rules where if your wife came into your working space during that kind of amber time it's like she can come in <laughs> and then just yes. just pause for a second let me finish the thought that i'm writing down and then you know I'm, I'm completely talkable too and those kind of little rules of social interaction can be quite difficult to to, to get to. So what shortcuts can you have for us that, that, that gets to those good spots a bit more quickly? Well, I think it's going to be a combination of physical barriers and symbols and signs uh, and also some digital tools. And it'll depend obviously on the age of 
of uh, kids and parents and sophistication as well as a three-year-old is not going to be checking your shared calendar, but your, <laughs> your, your wife or husband or other partner uh, may be checking that calendar for you. Uh, and, you know, I think we're going to, those of us who can rely on digital purposes, especially I'm thinking, you know, I know people in the Bay Area, in the San Francisco Bay Area, who uh, they may be seven to a house. And that may sound worse than it is, or maybe it is as bad as it sounds because of the cost of housing there. And these people are all roommates and they, uh, you know, I don't think any of them are romantic partners in, in one case. Uh, and they have some of bedrooms, some are sharing a room and they may all be thrown in and they may have been working different shifts in the past. So they have to mm-hmm. figure out some system, but all these people are digital natives, digitally literate. They can all put stuff on a calendar, make a shared calendar. Uh, you know, it could be as simple as, putting up a curtain, like sticking a couple hooks in the ceiling for the time being, or getting a little stand. You can guide these actually very inexpensive uh, photo stands. They're designed for putting up backdrops on, but you can Mm -hmm. get these kits typically very inexpensively with uh, telescoping tripods. And you could just hang a curtain or use a photo type uh, divide on it and just be that is your office and you move it out of the way at night when it's no longer your office. Yeah. I think one of the things that's worth seeing as well is that, uh, Something like that, you know, putting hooks into the ceiling to hang something from might scare some people, not right. um, from a DIY point of view, but it sounds quite drastic. But it is worth saying, without being in any way alarmist, that we might be looking at a few months of this, um, especially with schools closing and people having to work from home to support their their kids. So it it it, it far better to do that work now, right, and get it working as well for you as possible than to Heath Robinson something together that's just kind of, you know, kitchen table and we'll sort it all out. Because if, if you do that for two or three weeks, you might suddenly find that actually you're not in a particularly good place um, a month down the line. That I think is exactly it is. is it's also, I, I say this again and again in the book, and I'll, I'll say it again and again while we're talking is be kind to yourself too, because this is mm. going to be difficult for you. Your employer has no idea what's going on because no, no one has ever lived through this kind of experience before in the history of the world. People have gone through plagues and so forth. No one has gone through a of disease that's this survivable yet requires this much as much disruption. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what we're being asked for is to be as far away from everybody else as possible and, but keep working. (laughs) Yeah. But keep working which we need to, because we need to make money. We need the economy to keep going. So we're actually Mm -hmm. providing a vital, like working is a vital function, but then, you know, you have all these other stresses on top of you. So set it up. Like maybe you need psychologically to say, I can't set this up as a three-month office or a six-week office. I'm setting up a two-week office, and I'm going to pile some books up and put my laptop on it and put a chair that's comfortable and put on headphones, and that's it. But as time goes on, as you get more accustomed to and we get a better sense of, as there's more testing, and we all see in each country what the shape of the curve is going to be, and we may go, you know, I've seen recently... Uh, this is mid-March, and so maybe things will have changed by the time you listen to this. But um, is that we may go through waves of this. We may have several. We have, may have months on, and then we go out of this kind of isolation and back into something broader with testing and then back in. So we may need to move in and out of homework and become more flexible. So it's hard to say to someone, spend a lot of money right now because we hope it doesn't last long and we don't know what we need. So ease into it. If you set something up and it's not right, give yourself permission to change it. Um, and, and, you know, I don't have a boss. I'm a freelancer. My boss are the people who buy my tiny type museum projects and, and various publications I write for. So I have 
total flexibility with what I do. In your circumstance, it may be that, uh, you know, your employer may be very sympathetic and, and have a budget and say, look, we are trying to make this work. So we're giving everybody $500 or $50 or, or 50 pounds or euros or whatever we're giving you to spend to make, you know, we, we can't give you a thousand euros to make a transition. Um, so I think consider that as well, that you may have the option to spend a very little bit of money that makes a big difference. And in some yeah. cases, um, some of the solutions that I mentioned in the book are absolutely free. You just literally pilot books or put up a curtain. Others, you might spend $20, $50, $100 or more if you're looking for a more permanent solution, uh, such as a standing desk. Yeah, there's some good practical solutions in the book, which, let me reiterate, is, is free. Um it's worth reiterating as well that, as you say there about taking care of yourself, I've seen a lot of dialogue on social media from people like you and colleagues of, of, of ours who have been home working for a long time. And they really are at pains to make the point, you know, if this is hard, if this is difficult, this transition is difficult, and you're finding it hard to concentrate, don't be too hard on yourself. Because mm-hmm. you know what, those of us who've been doing it for years are finding it hard right now as well. I heard this from a meditation teacher, and I really appreciate it. He had been meditating uh, for decades at the point I took a course from him. And he said to the class, he's like, somebody asked him a question during some part of the, se- the session and said, uh, you know, said something like, well, when do I get good at this? And he said, oh, you never get good at this. You never get good at yeah. this. He's like, he said, my mind wanders all the time. But th- what you get good at is you get better at being able to get yourself back into the state that you want. And this is true for freelancing. It's this area of freelancing. It's true as a freelancer, I recognize it in, in my work being divided. It's true working from home. If you didn't make the decision and you're forced you're forced into it, or maybe it's something you desired, but you've never been able to plan for it, uh, mm-hmm. you, you're going to learn how to do it where you're gonna, it's going to come to you eventually. And eventually it will seem normal enough to, to get the kind of productivity. But on day one, day two, day seven, you may get very little done as you s- ease into it. The flip side, though, and I have heard this from some people, some people are so delighted to not have to go into an office, they think and have, even with all the concerns of the world, are going to be much more productive because they're delighted to be working at home and not having people talking around them, looking over their shoulder, people wandering by. And they they commute as well, right? So you you might have an hour and a half commute each way. Mm -hmm. Suddenly you've got that time back and you you don't have to give that time back to your boss. That can be time for you to do something differently for yourself um, or it might be time with your parents or your your children, but you, you you get that time back. So let, let's move on then, Glenn, if you would, to the next section of the book. So the first uh, tip you've given us is about making sure you're delineating a space. What would you say is the next big thing people who are newly homeworking need to consider? Well, I should. I just want to add one more thing from that section, because I think we said it in passing, but getting yourself a very a good quality, which can be very cheap, headset, uh, earbuds, uh, noise-canceling, microphone, headphone setup, whatever it is, uh, you're gonna. You may wind up doing a lot of video conferencing, a lot of audio calls that you've never done in the situation you're in, and even a a thirty dollar, twenty five pound headset is going to make a world of difference in your comfort and uh, in being able to participate in that. So that's mm-hmm. the last thing I'd say about that. But the other is, I mean, we talked about um, how you indicate you're at work, but there's also that sense of professionalism. Is what are we, what are we doing when we're at work, when we're at home? How professional and formal do we have to be? And I think in a normal telecommuting situation, if you were like, well, I'm going to work three days at home in this job and two in the office, you might be asked to have a fairly high standard of professionalism at home. And when you do a call, there may be more formality, depending on your workplace. You may need to put on a polo or a tie when you're doing video conferencing with people, if you're doing that from home. In this circumstance, some of the rules are thrown out. And I think mm. there's a combination of both. Um, you, 
you know, you are working, working requires some kind of professionalism, but I think we're going to find a new definition of that. Your children, if you have children at home and they're three or 17 or 30, they may just wander in and start talking behind you. You might have a dancing toddler come in on a video conference with an important client and you know, it's going to happen to everybody. So we're all going to have to learn uh, to deal with it. And I think it's better to try to, to tell yourself that ahead of time. So instead of reacting, um, maybe embarrassment or anger, exactly. Right. This is just going to happen. And so be kind to yourself. And, you know, uh, uh, one... Uh, and be kind to your colleagues to whom it happens as well. So, so yes. you know, don't sort of tut and roll your eyes. If, if, if a dog suddenly walks in uh, very distractingly, everyone will start giggling and laughing. It's like, yeah, there's a cat. It's fine. Just, you know, we all understand there's a cat. Let's, can we just move on? So I think being, being kind to yourself, but being kind to your colleagues as well is important. We're going to see much more of each other's home lives than we ever yes. have before. And we're, and we're going to, you know, we're going to have to have to roll with that. So I think that's it is like, don't try to sacrifice. Like you, you can't push your family. If you have, you know, you could have seven people at home. Who knows? You can't push them into a cupboard while you're working. They have to have their lives at home. The kids are going to be taken care of. Even if you're just there with a partner and they have a full-time job or a part-time job and you're trying to balance work in the space, you're, you're, everyone is going to be in this situation. So I, I say this again and again in the book, and I, I know this, this is a time of displacement of people losing jobs, of anxiety and worry about that. But at the same time, you have to stand up for yourself and your employers, your bosses need to be, they're also going to, this is the classic thing. They're going to be scared too. Your bosses are mm-hmm. magically, no matter how pulled together the people you work for may seem, uh, they're also in positions of uncertainty and stress. And if, especially if their businesses are losing revenue as most businesses will. And um, in this time, which is also bizarre. So it's, you know, t- keep yourself in a work environment when you're at work, but recognize that home is going to intrude and recognize also that if you're criticized for that, you have to be able to say, this is a weird time. This isn't just yeah. a normal time. I think intrude is, a, is an interesting word there because you're right that your home life can intrude. But I think the other thing I would counsel people to embrace is understanding that it can be difficult to switch your focus between home life and mm. work life. But with the same token, it's not absolutely necessary to maintain a, a complete separation of church and state. Right. An example I would give is if, if my daughter right now, as we're recording this podcast, wandered into the room and she was desperate, she wanted to go and blow some bubbles with me. I, I might say, do you know what, kid? Right, let's go and do that. Glenn, would you mind if we pause this just for five minutes? Because that's all it will take to mollify her, right? We know what kids are like. Go and do the thing your kid wants and then switch back in. Now, for some people, that's going to be a very hard switch to make. But it's worth remembering that you, you, it's not that you have been displaced from your home and placed in an office four miles away or more. It might be that you, you can allow those two worlds to blend slightly. And sometimes that will take some of the, the friction out of your home life and home relationships. I think this is also an unprecedented time to discuss with an employer or to figure out if you're given a lot of flexibility in your schedule, what hours do you really want to work? If you've been going into an office, maybe you have to be there from eight to five or seven to six or something horrible. And, uh, and you have a three hour commute or a two hour commute on top of that. I was trying to compute, uh, com- uh, convert hours into pounds. That's uh, it gets a little <laughs> confusing. Uh, but, um, you know, that kind of thing, uh, is going to be open up for you as well. So you might say, you know, I want to work from uh, 5 a.m. to 8 a.m. Then I'm going to spend four hours with my child. 
I'm going to, or children, I'm going to hand that off to my partner who's then going to do the next four hours. And then I'm going to work from noon to five and that's going to be my day. And if that could be your day and that works, maybe that gives you the, a better balance than you've ever had before. So there's a little bit of upside, right? We could take a little upside from this. And it also allows you to be more present at work, more productive and feel that you're being more professional in your in work environment. Yeah, I mean, all these things do require you to have a sympathetic employer, but it, but it's it's worth saying that even if your employer has been inflexible in the past, and we've heard a lot of stories about people about people being somewhat resentful at having requested flexible working, home working, and and being told no, we can't possibly support that, and now right. we're in a situation where it's mandated. Um, but you may find that uh, an employer, if you say to them, do you know what I I need to shift my working hours would you please consider that? It may be that they'll say yes, where they might have not have said yes in the past. Exactly that. It's it's going to be, uh, I mean, every, the thing is, everything is going to be different. It's going to change. But I think the one constant is going to be, we're, we're not going to just be in a, um, we're not going to go back to the way it was immediately. We have some period of time ahead of us. And there are plenty of professions, there are plenty of jobs in which people are going to be invaluable and in which, people not being in the office means that time shifting is good. It may be that a whole group says, we'd rather all work from 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. There may be programmers who are forced to go in an office. I mean, uh, Apple famously uh, really only wants people to work uh, at their Cupertino office. They want people in the office. They really have very little remote work. They have offices around the world, including a significant one in Seattle, apparently, that I've <laughs> it's kind of hidden downtown somewhere. But uh, you know, you may be a programmer and, you, and you've been going into regular hours like, oh, thank goodness. Now I can do my, you know, 8 p.m. to 4 a.m. stint I've always wanted. Uh, so so that's that's going to be something. Um, I, I also think we're going to we're going to learn more about uh, how we set expectations at home. I mean, I talked a little about boundaries, but it's also when we have multiple people working in the same house, you may be coming into an environment where you have a, a partner or roommates or, or parents or whomever you live with who have been working from home already and you're invading their space and you mm -hmm. need to negotiate that. You can't just plop the laptop down and say, okay, honey, here I am. And uh, you've got to move over there. I mean, it's going to be a negotiation. And I think having conversations ahead of time, however abrupt this is happening for people, taking the time to sit down and figure things out and saying, this isn't the way it's always going to be. We have to start this way. If it doesn't work, we're going to readjust it because we need to uh, make it work for whatever period of time is to come. Magic. So we've got the idea of um, defining a space. We've got the idea of setting some rules and expectations around how you blend your home life and your work life or keep them separate. Next in the book, you've got a section on learning remote tools. And obviously, we're not going to go into exactly what those tools would be on this podcast, but it's worth maybe having a, a little quick conversation about the kind of expectations that are reasonable to have around video conferencing and teleconferencing systems and digital systems that you might be unfamiliar with and being able to think about how we can anticipate what those uh, friction points might be and how to how to work around them. I think that's a, a great thing because, uh, as I was saying earlier, I think a lot of people have never been in a situation where they're doing video with other people, maybe ever, maybe a little FaceTime or other kinds of, you know, uh, WhatsApp or other sorts of, uh, I don't know if the kids do that. What, whoever does that. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> TikTok. Doing, TikTok, yeah. You're doing some kind of one-to-one you know, -one or maybe one, you know, many-to-many -many, uh, face conversation, but for socially or for gaming or something like that. But this may be the first time people professionally have to do something where they're in a meeting. And I was doing a video meeting, I should say, and I, and I was doing a contract job a few years ago and we were using uh, Zoom, was relatively new then. 
And it was, uh, I think, 40 to 60 people would be at these stand-up meetings we had. And they're actually run really well. And you could see everyone's face. And I just thought, this is the weirdest thing to have this many people. But it actually was kind of a cohesive thing with so many of those people working remotely. There are only a few people in that organization in any central office. And I think it did help us uh, communicate better. So there is that advantage is you may wind up communicating with people you never have before. There's always been email or phone or something, and you may wind up in these video chats. Um, I think you need to set up a space a little bit. Again, that curtain idea is also useful to set up a background for yourself. Uh, if you're using Skype, Skype has a button you can click that blurs your background, which is neat, kind of cuts you out around it. Um, you may want to get, uh, there's this hilarious thing. It's like a peacock fan that you can Velcro onto the back of a chair and it gives you kind of a, um, it's like a, a, a Game of Thrones style without the sword, just a big background behind you. So when you're close up with the camera, it's just a blue background or a green background behind you so that people don't see the rest of your house. Um, I've hung hooks in my ceiling in the basement so I can hang a curtain or a backdrop and some backdrops are very cheap. I just bought actually for for a fun podcasting, I bought a, uh, just today I got it because I'm doing more of it, $20, you know, so 17, 18 pounds. Uh, it's a uh, backdrop of old book bindings, like bookshelves and things like that. It looks like I'm in some ancient library and it's very cute. <laughs> it's photo printed. And it looks surprisingly good, a little out of focus on the camera. Um, so that may be part of the professionalism thing is what do you want to see, have people see behind you? You're set up with a good mic, let's say a good headset so that you can be heard. And you have to think then again about, you know, uh, if you're a person who wears makeup, do you want to put up makeup for this? Is that part of how you feel professional or how you want to present yourself to the world? Do you wind up trying to figure out how to get your hair cut if all the hair salons are shut as they are in Seattle right now? Um, I'm looking a little, uh, I'm looking a little afraid with my, <laughs> I don't have that much hair, but it's standing on end. Uh, so these issues people haven't had to face before, and it can be daunting. And some people don't, what, they have social anxiety or they simply don't want to be engaged in video conferencing too. And they may be told they have to, they may be told it's part of the job and you may have to communicate that, that disease and may be able to negotiate only yeah. doing audio or doing very little of it too. It is quite a difficult thing to negotiate. As you say, some people may have perfectly justifiable reasons not to want to uh, have the video turned on, on their, uh, on the laptop, whether that's um, to do with their personality or their situation, and we shouldn't judge that. But I did see some narratives around, and it's quite true, using video does give you an opportunity to, to use nonverbal cues, right? So mm -hmm. if you're all, if, there's, if there's any more than sort of three or four people in a group call, it's quite hard to, to, to interrupt each other and to cross-talk against each other, and you get a lot of, oh, no, no sorry, sorry, yeah, you go, yeah. Yeah, no, no, I was just saying you got a lot of that going on. But if you can have video, then you can sort of raise your hand or you can, you know, indicate otherwise that you, you want to take the floor or otherwise. And it is worth having somebody in some sort of chairperson role to, to, to or ringmaster role, might be more appropriate analogy, to, to tame what's happening because otherwise it can be a bit of a free-for-all and you, you don't have the same fluidity of conversation that you have in a face-to-face -face conversation. We, and we're also going to be craving... Uh, of most of us. I, and I never want to say everybody because everybody has, there's different uh, neurotypes and different needs and different social needs. And some people do not like the people they work with. Some people love the people they work with and socialize with them and are missing that time during the day and after outside of work. So th this video conferencing for some of us will serve as an additional bit 
of socializing that we're not going to get. And, and as I say, it may come and go that we get to see other people to some extent in person or not. Video is not a replacement for in-person uh, communication. I think that we know, we know that. And, you know, we've been talking to our kids about, like, you really need to get out and see people. And then this happens, like, oh, great. Well, just <laughs> use your video conferencing tools. And the kids are all over it. They know how to use Skype and Zoom and FaceTime and other tools. The ki- Your kids may be able to, by the way, teach you how to use these tools better than any other resource out there because they often use, uh, you know, uh, these tools on smartphones and tablets and sometimes yeah. computers and know the ins and outs. And I, I think it might be a great opportunity if you have kids who who do that and are of the right age to help you uh, accustom yourself. They can even be good about getting you set up. So you look, if you want to look a little better, if you want to present yourself a little better and make you happy, not for other people, for yourself, your kids might be able to help you with that too. Yeah. And it's worth saying as well that I'm guilty of this myself, thinking of video conferencing as a, a very transactional thing that we have to set up a meeting and, and have a video conference about this. You could just use it to to, to do a, a 50 minute coffee break, right? You could just use it to just literally hook up to socialize with colleagues or far flung family or whatever it is. It doesn't, there doesn't have to be a particular reason for it. So whether that's um, my mother-in-law reading a story to my daughter over FaceTime or whether that's you gathering around a sort of virtual water cooler with some of your colleagues just to chew the fat we'll we, we'll need that time and it's uh, for a lot of people who uh, don't have social anxiety they will miss those opportunities to sort of blow off steam and you know try and um, re-establish some new normal and having a bit of continuity of those kinds of conversations that you would normally have as you prepare coffee are going to be really important. So you don't have to think about these tools as purely business productivity tools. Right, exactly. And, you know, some people, and this is harkening back to an earlier section, but I really think most people will benefit from a second monitor or even you can use an iPad as a second monitor with various software as well. If you're uh, using a Mac, you can use an Android tablet with Windows and other systems. There's lots of ways you can use repurpose a tablet as well as just getting a second monitor. If you got a second monitor, some people do office cooler, and this may become even more common where you set up a window. Maybe it's a Zoom window or something where there's a lot of video going on. Everyone's muted. And it's off to the side, and it gives you it gives you the sense that people are around so that you're not as isolated. Now, now for some people, that's torture. For other yeah. people or work groups, they may decide to do it because they're in such constant communication, and people may unmute themselves as they need to raise a point. You may be working separately and all agree every 25 minutes. You, you break your activity. You chit-chat or, or update each other on what's going on for five minutes. There's all these strategies you can do, but um, that, you know, again, you have to think about yourself as an individual. Don't expect, no one should say to you, video conferencing has to happen when your boss may tell you this, but no Mm. one should advise you, I should say, that video conferencing is good for everybody. It always works and it's absolutely necessary. But for many people, maybe most people, I don't know, I haven't seen the numbers or we haven't seen uh, some form of it is going to help you with homeworking. it can also help you in the social circumstances we're talking about too, is as you get familiar with video tools, video conferencing tools, if you haven't before, then you may wind up using them in other uh, social circumstances too. Great. So the two more sections in the book, the next one is about pacing yourself, about setting some uh, some rules that mean you're practicing self-care and that you're setting out your work day in a way that makes sense for you. We've touched on that a little bit before, but what does this section of the book cover? But it's kind of how you take care of yourself inside of a new work environment. And this advice, I would say, would work. You know, this part of the book, 
it, I think any time that you're setting up a homeworking environment would work. It's actually strangely the one normal part of the book is whenever you start a situation which you are generally separated from other people and working, you're inclined to either under, you know, I shouldn't say underwork, but you're inclined to not understand the pattern of your work when you start because it's so different. So pacing yourself is both about figuring out what the best way to, uh, what distractions exist that you should eliminate. Uh, Anthony Johnston, uh, who's a, a terrific uh, writer, writes graphic graphic novels, uh, is a, a mystery novelist, a science fiction novelist. He had this great tip, and it's sort of obvious when you hear it, but someone has to say it to you, which is, if your job doesn't actively involve answering email, why is your email program open or notifying you all the time? And I thought, gosh, you know, I do that. My job isn't answering email. Why am I demand-driven? I should change my own behavior uh, because my email goes bing, 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 or I get notifications. So even things as little as that, where maybe in an office, it's part of your workflow, but you want to, you need to focus more. Um, one of the common techniques for focusing is to eliminate distractions, turn off everything that's going on in your computer, put it in or phone device, put it in do not disturb mode. There's even software called Freedom is a well-known package available for every platform and in browsers. And it turns off social networks or the entire internet, whatever you want. You basically lock yourself out for a predefined period. Uh, and then you can do a thing, a Pomodoro technique is very common. It's uh, very widely used where you set a, a timer. It could be a tomato timer as in the original case, the Pomodoro, or it could be on your phone or whatever. 25 minutes you, before you start, you set out an objective in your head. You work straight for 25 minutes. You avoid distractions. Then the timer goes off. You take five minutes to relax. Maybe you talk to other people. You do whatever. You get up and walk around. Then you go back in and you do a few of those. And then you take a longer break. And you could, if that works for you, you could structure your entire day around these 25-minute sessions. And then maybe have some unstructured time to do email and to do multitasking that's very distracted at other points in the day. Or schedule meetings around this so you have a good block of two or four or six hours of sprints and some breaks. And then have you know, less productive, let's say, uh, uh, meetings and conversations outside of that. Yeah, absolutely. And and being able to, it, it, the, the, the tricky thing here is it's impossible for anyone to give you specific advice. You should do this mm -hmm. because everyone's needs and work will differ and everyone's employers will be less or more flexible about the sort of things you can do. But being aware of things like the Pomodoro Technique are tools that you can employ and try and see if it works for you. Because one thing's almost certain is that you won't be able to work in quite the same way as you would in a nine to five job sitting at your desk in an office because those same structures aren't around you and the same distractions or abilities to just quickly, you know, shout across to a colleague to get a quick answer to something. Those things don't exist in quite the same way. So your, your working patterns will change and it's worth spending the time at the start of your working from home period to try and work out what what will work for you so that you can uh, implement it going forward. And that's not to say you, you can't change it and be flexible as you go forward, but trying to work that out earlier is going to put you in better position um, as you go through the next weeks and months. And I find uh, I get into the the flow state where, you know, you get into this almost fugue where time disappears and you work for some period and you almost waken out of it. And you're like, what? I just wrote 3000 words. I just wrote 500 lines of really good code. I just wrote, the, you know, made the best presentation ever about this widget, you know, and this is a real thing too. So some people may not like a Pomodoro technique. They would rather figure out how to get themselves into flow and do hours of that. Now, of course, that the counter thing is it's really good to not spend like 
four hours or eight hours sitting still, work not eating, barely drinking, working in a session. So you have to balance that. You know, we, this is part of this chapter and part of everyone's advice about work, uh, about working um, stints is you need to get up. You need to move around. You need to, you need to avoid deep vein thrombosis by sitting all day. You need to, uh, you know, shake your limbs and, and maybe do some stretching. If it's, if you're taking a lunch break or a 15 minute break in the morning or afternoon, you go outside. If you're, you know, most places you can still go out outside of your house, even if you're not allowed to go, uh, you know, far abroad and uh, move your body breathe some air, maybe do some yoga stretches, maybe meditate for, do a five minute meditation. Maybe some people go and do a, uh, a one hour bike ride on a bike simulator. You know, those are going to be selling it like hotcakes. I'm surprised if they're not all sold out <laughs> now uh, or, or exercise equipment they have in their house. Just get on that, you know, and that gets in with the shift hours. Maybe you never would have gone to the gym in the middle of the day or used something in your house like that in the middle of the day, but this is a new world order right now. So maybe you work three and a half hours, you do an hour of exercise, you eat some lunch, you cool down, you come back and do another four and a half or whatever your working day, or the expectations for you are, because almost everybody is getting back. You know, even if you live five minutes from work, you got back 10 minutes. Plus, if you live an hour and a half from work away, you got back three hours, you can use that for yourself. Yeah, for sure. And talking about doing things for yourself, the last section of the book is about uh, how to juggle your kids and I don't mean literally that's um, frowned upon but how to deal with having kids in your space and it's actually quite hard especially if uh, with the schools closed you've got multiple parents who might be working and trying to split their shifts around and, and to come up with ways of um of doing it but but as well as looking after your your children you have to look after yourself as well so how do you balance those three things you've got your work you've got your uh, kids and you've got yourself as well and by the way, when we say kids, we might be talking not just about, we're talking about dependents, aren't we? So it might be parents right. or people you're caring for. It might not be actual children. Right. You may, right. Because this is, because of these changes, you may have parents living with you. Actually, I know it's funny in the recent weeks, long before, or before this happened, I talked to various people who said, oh yeah, my parents live with, we, we bought a house together. My parents are living upstairs and they're in their eighties. I'm living downstairs with my child. And it's like, oh, I didn't, how's that working out? It's great. But it was great before this isolation. Now it's a new relationship and they were independent before. And even parents who are, uh, you know, the next generation up, you're, let's say you're of working age, you're 20 to 60 to 70 and your parents are one generation older. They may have been totally independent before, and and they may be many of them retired if you're living together in some extended family relationship. And they're going to feel helpless. They're going to be needier. And those occasional calls you got before, if they're living, you know, if they're living apart now, they're with you, or even if they're upstairs, they may happen all the time. They may wander in. They may not respect your space as much because they're uh, they're upset. And so as a as a parent of children, uh, you may also be the you know the parent of your parents. You may have to give your mm. parents time and support as well, although hopefully they can also provide that role as well. They may be there. You may have grandparents to take care of children where that wasn't an option before. I've heard some of that too. So uh, again, again, I think it's going to depend. You know, this is uh, It's almost like you have to do Pomodoro sprints for your kids too. And the younger they are, obviously the less they can set. You know, most kids need some kind of regular attention. I, I have uh, a nephew and niece who as infants and toddlers required the least input of any children I've ever seen. And mine probably required some of the most input of any children you've ever seen. And I love them all dearly in the same way. They're different human beings. So you cannot make a generalization, 
but you're going to have to set some boundaries and the boundaries might be daddy needs to work for 10 minutes on this. I'll come and, you know, we'll do tea after that. Or it may be, um, you know, you have to negotiate with other people in the house, or you may do the thing that so many parents don't want to do. We've been told not to do. You may stick a kid with a video where you wouldn't have done that in a different circumstance and say, I'm going to let them watch frozen two for the 85th time Mm. because I actually got to do this work. And that is a reasonable accommodation. We're in extraordinary times. So the old rules, don't feel yourself as bound. You're not ruining your child's life by giving them occupation while you do something important for the family as well. You're not harming them. You're not asking them to stand in the corner and be quiet or you're going to come over there and waggle your finger at them for two hours. You're letting them watch Frozen 2 or whatever. Yeah, so, yeah, and it's worth saying, it's what makes you that, you know, the, 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 the kids will pick up on your stress and your anxiety as well. So mm-hmm. rather than going, oh God, can you just, you please just sit, you sit there, I'll, I'll put the telly on, it will be fine. Just say, hey, we haven't watched Frozen 2 today. today. <laughs> Nobody would ever yes, utter those words. Only but, once today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, make, make it fun and, and because the kids will love it. You know, what, what kid wouldn't want to sit and, and watch telly? Um, so ensuring that you're perhaps not um, allowing the, the the stress and anxiety as much as possible. And you're a person too, but uh, not, not allowing that stress and anxiety that you feel about these changed circumstances to bleed over your kids. And, and thinking, how would this yeah. feel if I was my kid and my dad was saying to me, uh, go and watch one of your favorite films for two hours. I'd be really oh, no. happy about that. Yeah, exactly. Dad, so, but and, and you'd be so confused if your if your if your dad in that scenario was sort of you know stressedly saying, "Oh, could you just please just sit quietly and watch a film?" If you make it fun for them, they'll they'll be delighted and they'll sit quite happily. Or you know, my daughter who's four and a half has basically spent the last week sellotaping things to other things, um, and so and and so so. You're right. I think, you know, allowing the fact that these rules have changed is important, but being able to think about it from your kid's perspective and how does it feel from their perspective as well is going to be true. And that's true whether it's a a child, someone you care for, a parent or someone else. I'd also say uh, this is a great opportunity. I mean, I I am an incurable optimist and I can be a pain in the tuchus sometimes for people because I'm like, no, no, it's great. You know, there's there's a great, uh, Roz Chass, great cartoonist I love. She has a cartoon from many years ago called Pippi Longstockings in Hell. And she says, no, glad, no, uh, no jackets forever. Hey, it's really nice. This is a great place <laughs> to hike. I sometimes is a bit like that. But I think in the midst of, we know, we know people, some people are going to die. We know some people are going to be very ill. We're very fortunate. The estimates are that it's going to be a very small percentage of our overall population. It's so, so keeping that in mind, there are opportunities because we were forced into it. And I think for some people, it's going to be spending a lot more time with their kids. And, and hopefully that's a good thing. Sometimes it can be too much, but it's still something they will never forget that you had this period of time. It's going to end because there will be a vaccine. We will all move on and the world will achieve a new sense of normality again. And and that's going to be different. No other generation will live through particularly this kind of thing. But I also know, you know, I don't know, do you have this, uh, do you have this in the UK? It's called um, uh, Take Your Child to Work Day. Do you do something like that? I don't think it's really as much of a thing as it is in the US, but some people, some people will do it for sure. It's like that every day now, right? And that's the, (laughs) it's like, imagine if you did that every day, it would wear thin in a workplace, but you're not in a workplace. You've set up your home this way. And um, when when I was a kid, my mom, I think I must have not been of school age yet. I must have been five. I don't know how old I was, but there was no childcare available. And my mother was going to a community college, which was uh, for certificate programs and uh, not like a full university. And, um, 
in, in the States. And she took me into classes and her teachers were just like, whatever, everybody has to do that sometimes because this is the 1970s and people were trying to get in the workforce. And it was just like, was a thing. So I was in a typing class. I was in science class. I sat there and I read books. I learned to type, you know, and I was a little bit of the pet of the class. I was the only kid that was brought in this way and not all the time. But so I have this experience of having to be a child in a little bit of a grown-ups world with lots of grown-ups around me. And I had a great time because I got exposed. I just loved it, right? So me too, man, you are today. That's right. It did exactly. That's why I type so fast. I learned it when I was four, apparently. But the you can bring your kids into work and depending on the age, there's different things you can do. And you might think this is ridiculous. I have a you know a two-year-old, perhaps not, but I have a three-year-old. I'm watching my friend Matt Bors, who's a, a terrific cartoonist and founder of the, of the Nib, which is a great uh, a comics publication. And uh, he's posting pictures of like his daughter, who is, I think she's now three-ish. She learned to write his name the other day at home and mm. she's drawing. I mean, he's got his job is kind of this melange of things that he's running. But, you know, so even a little kid might be there. You might be, honey, I need a do not disturb sign. Can you draw it? And they might spend three hours with your encouragement. I mean, depending on the kid, obviously. <laughs> I have older kids. I have a 12 and 15 year old. And um, the older is kind of bummed to not be in school because he has a lot of social things that he's involved in. The younger does not like school very much and has developed their own curriculum, but they're already helping me. Like we're going to do some plumbing that's not work related, right? But they're going to, they're, uh, they give me some advice about some technical stuff, some issues that are better understood by the young. Um, so there may be a place for you to have your kid be a little bit in your work without distracting from your work to such an extent that uh, that your you know becomes an issue yeah. with work. Yeah, you, you talk about that in the book really well, I think, because um, you, you talk about that fine line to balance between you know giving them busy work, just just you know distraction, but giving them something that could genuinely be useful. And you never know if if you have to do a presentation for work, why not talk to your kid about it and get them to come up with your know, storyboard what your presentation might be there is a, a not insignificant chance to come up with some blinding magical way of presenting an idea that actually you might you might use and if you don't it's okay but it's not right. just about you know shoving them in a corner and saying uh, you know go and, go and write out some some lines for me it's about giving them something that is creative and that idea of doing a sign for the door you know my, my daughter's done one for my door here in my office oh, nice. but it might be somebody doing one in um powerpoint or an indesign or publisher or something if they're an older kid and you know involving them and this is going to be going to be really key and i i will say from a personal point of view i've actually never been closer to my daughter than i have been with her having been at home um for a couple of weeks mm. it's really brought us nice and nice and close she's very affectionate with me just now which is lovely so there, there might be some really good things that come out of this uh, in your interpersonal relationships as well as anything else Right. And I realize, uh, you know, uh, we have to say this too, as I realize to any listeners, you know, you and I are speaking from relative positions of, of privilege. You have a, uh, I'm, because I don't work for your company, I can say this, you clearly have a very caring and lovely employer who is rooted in the local community and cares about its uh, people working for, sure. for it. And uh, I work for myself and I can make a lot of choices, but I've been able to luckily... It's not like I'm sitting, uh, you know, I call myself, it's a 10,000 air. I don't know if I have even $10,000 in the bank, but it's, <laughs> but I, I'm on a scale where I can weather this for a bit. And, um, you know, right as we are recording this, the U.S. government is talking about sending out checks to help people and there's small business loans. Like, I think I'll be able to weather it. Like, I'm not on a precipice and there's other people out there who are. And what we're talking about may sound, I don't know if they would have gotten this far. It may sound like grading, uh, uh, mm. you know fingers on the blackboard mm, mm, right mm. and it's and it's rough but i also know a lot of folks are going to be there's going to be tens of millions of people just in the english speaking world or who who can listen to this 
podcast, read the book, who read English, who uh, and uh, tens of millions or hundreds of millions elsewhere, who will be thrust in this position where their job will continue. And it is something that's absolutely important that they maintain it's critical to their mental well-being to have occupation. We need that as and people. to the broader economy, as you said the at the start, economy. for sure. Right. So this is something, you know, we we are engaged in a noble pursuit working, but it's both for our benefit and and for society's benefit. And so why not? I just so this is my ultimate optimist statement is why not take this opportunity because everything is going to change forever. So even mm. when things go back to quote normal, unquote, Every company in the world, just about, that has people who come into a place of work where they're not physically assembling something or need to physically touch each other, you know, they're not providing a service for people at the place of work uh, or assembling widgets or uh, uh, packing boxes, right? There's a lot of the world that involves people like that. And those many of those companies have said, working from home does not work for us. Well, hmm. what do you know? Now it did. So now yeah. we get to all together redefine what that is. Absolutely. Glenn, thank you so much for joining us. So the book is, is called Take Control of Working from Home Temporarily. Where can people get it? If you go to takecontrolbooks.com, there is a nice free button to click there and you can download it. And as I say, absolutely free. And it has been my pleasure to talk to you and also to share what little I know and what many generous people, including you, have contributed to the book about their experience because we are all in this together. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Glenn, for writing the book and thank you for joining us. Now, for those of you who've been listening, I know this is not the normal podcast here on this show. Uh, if you have enjoyed it, terrific. If you haven't, uh, please do let us know as well. But I, I, I hope that you understand that in the odd uh, circumstances we find ourselves as a society, as a community, uh, DC Thompson Media wanted just to reach out and provide a little bit of help through our podcasting channels because we can to help any of you who are in the position of suddenly finding yourself working from home for the first time make the very best of that transition you can if you have tips please do share them with this brand's podcast uh, social channels otherwise just take care of each other take care of yourselves take care of your families and we will get through this together thank you so much for joining us goodbye <laughs>